taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast. Our verse for the week comes to us from Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, 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 taking up the sword of the Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo, and I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Well, hello, everyone. I'm sure I want to share this with you guys and kind of get maybe uh, some uh, uh, housekeeping stuff kind of pulled out of the way. Um, we're going to start publishing on uh, publishing the podcast um, on Mondays um, for the inconvenience or anything that might throw you off on that. Um, but uh, we needed to uh, accommodate some scheduling conflicts for, well, for Brian's dissertation. So let's just be straight. <laughs> and so we're going to have to, we're going to have to kind of accommodate that for right now. And that's all right. And um, so um, we're going to be publishing it on Mondays. Um, that way it gives us time to record throughout the week. Um, uh, and if we have relevant topics, we'll try to make sure we, we cover those at that moment uh, that any kind of news, breaking news or anything like that, that we need to, we need to cover. So let's go ahead and welcome on Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, Curtis, and yeah, uh, absolutely. I think what this will do for us as well is, uh, with the new scheduling is give us a little more flexibility in case, um, I know we want to have some guests coming on here very soon. In fact, coming up here in a few weeks, uh, we've got Kevin Harris of Reasonable Faith coming on the air. And so this will give us a little more leeway to be able to record uh, podcasts with individuals uh, and but still uh, be able to release it at a particular time, we'll, we'll set it on the website to be released at a, pers- at a certain time on Mondays, and and so that way Monday mornings, every Monday morning, you can start the week off right uh, with Bellator Christie podcast, and and uh, who knows, I mean, if there's something really relevant, we need to do an extra um, yeah. extra podcast. We can do that if we need to. Uh, but yeah. this this way, you make sure you you, you know when the check uh, on the on the website when the check on the. Um, uh, different places, different locales, and and you know, I mean, Mondays have been the day traditionally where uh, articles have been published. There's nothing saying that we can't do both, um, right. you know, at that time as well. So anyhow, this gives us an opportunity to have the podcast coming out uh, at uh, one time, one time a week. Right. Well, 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 uh, right. Yeah, I think you know, being able to schedule, move the scheduling like that, and be able to, uh, even if we had a. Um, a article come out um it would still be out later in the day on monday too, oh, absolutely. Anyway, so. yeah absolutely 
So we had a we had an email come in that uh, you want to cover real quick. Yeah, this was actually a a, a post on um, the podcast dated five five twenty one rebuttal to Wayne Greenham's assessment of Molinism. Uh, this comes right. to us from Jim Duncan. Uh, he writes, "I liked your discourse on listening at Father." Uh, Fuller, Dan Fuller made his seminarians read the book How to Read a Book and focused on the need to carefully understand what the author is saying before evaluating his content. Anything less is disrespectful and unbecoming of a Christ follower called to teach. Keep up, keep up your good work. I also became a Molinist after studying under Bill Craig and J.P. Moreland. It is such a fulsome understanding. And wow, well, that must be amazing to be able to study under the likes of Dr. Craig and uh, Dr. Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are lightweights, man. Just studying under us. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I'm laughing first. Yeah, you, you, you know that there, there are some storms in our area, and I'm on electrical devices. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if you hear, if you see a fried Brian Chilton, you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, no kidding, though. I mean, could you imagine studying under those guys? Actually, no. uh, got, uh, there's one of my classmates, Jerry Bogatz. Uh, he he's from Chicago. He lives in Virgin- Virginia now. Uh, he's one of my uh, cohorts, colleagues up at the at, on the PhD program. Anyhow, he he actually went to uh, Biola University and studied under those two, and he he said it was an amazing experience. Actually, was friends he, or is friends uh, with Dr. Craig, and so uh, amazing experience and that you know, he had indeed. And so yeah, you're right. It, it absolutely have to be amazing to be able to have them in class like that. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> could you imagine? I mean, you got. Like Sean McDowell over there, and oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, people like Jay Warner Wallace is an adjunct professor there, I think, and just various other people. It's like, oh my goodness! It's when like I was body. actually when I was actually looking to do my master's work, uh, it came down to two, you, you, actually three universities. I was looking at uh, well, four. I was looking at Southeastern, but I was looking at three big universities: um, uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, Liberty University, and Biola. And it really came down between Biola and Liberty and uh, the only thing that kept me from well well Liberty's a wonderful school I don't mean to say anything about that but uh, one of the things that one of the big reasons I didn't go to Biola is because at the time they required you to travel out to Los Angeles every so many times a year uh, to be able to do the yeah. courses and at yeah. that time I wasn't well really even now I'm not able to do that so uh, but anyhow Biola's a great school Liberty's a wonderful school as well uh, really blessed to have we are really blessed to have some wonderful options of universities from which to yeah, choose. well you you guys got some heavy hitters there oh gosh yeah so. gary habermas <laughs> yeah. Purser, gary yates i mean uh <laughs> yeah. campbell you know we <laughs> Jack right, Thornhill, exactly. i mean you know we, we got a bunch of heavy hitters there yeah yeah. Dan Merritt, he you know I can't forget him. He's he's getting on up in age, but I actually had him as a professor. Just a wonderful man, and uh, Dr. Morrison, he actually retired recently, um, uh, but I actually had him for the last uh, class that he taught in bibliology, and uh, just amazing, amazing guy. I still say the man's a genius. I really believe he yeah. is. Yeah, some of those guys we just need to get on the podcast here. Yeah, absolutely, most certainly. <laughs> so today's topic um, 
we're going to uh, cover uh, is uh, sharing the gospel with people. Um, and, and I think it's it's important that we maybe take a take a moment here and uh, uh, cover the first step here and first uh, uh, cover or define the gospel and what it means to share. So you want to cover that? Yeah, the, the gospel of Christ. Gospel means good. You know, it comes from the word in Greek evangelion, uh, which means good news. We get a word evangelism from from that. Um, good news, and and when we talk about Christ coming to die for our sins, uh, raise from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave, providing salvation to us. Uh, that is a core, the crux of the Christian message, the early, what's called, many people call the charisma, the common message of, of the first, first church, the earliest church. And so uh, the gospel is good news, uh, providing us salvation for our souls. And so um, what it means to share is to basically, I, I heard one person put it this way, Sharing the gospel is like one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of truth to that, uh, that we found the bread of life and we're telling other people how to receive that same bread that will give them mm-hmm. eternal life. Yeah, that's good. So is sharing the gospel something we should do at any time we have someone's attention? It depends on what you mean by that, um, because I think there are multiple ways you can share the gospel. Uh, obviously, when we talk about sharing the gospel, we're talking about verbally sharing the gospel. And, and yes, we do need to do that, but it's also important to to physically share the gospel by our actions and deeds and the way we live. And um, quite honestly... I think that uh, we need to really build a relationship with a person. There are many ways to share the gospel, but I think the proven, even biblical way, I mean, yeah, there is something to be said about public preaching and and preaching in mass gatherings and people coming to know the Lord. That happened in the early church. It still happens today. But I think one of the most powerful ways we can share the gospel is one-on-one personal evangelism, uh, getting to know someone, uh, sharing in that person's life, and then um, sharing the gospel with them. Uh, but if, if our lifestyles do, do, do not match the, the message, then you know, they're not going to, if, if we're lying and cheating and, cheating and stealing, then they probably aren't going to be listening to us very much if we try to tell them about the truthful nature of Christ. Right, right. So, number three then, should we get to know a person before we start presenting and presenting the gospel? And should we get to know their personality, their actions? Their, should we get to know what their Bible knowledge is? I mean, these are kind of the questions that kind of would fall under that main heading of that, of that question. Yeah, I, and here again, I think it depends on the situation. Um, 
one of the things we do in chaplaincy work is we, we, we ask a series of questions just to simply get to know the person. You know, what are some of the things you've done? What are some of the things you enjoy? You know, do, do you have any religious background? And, I mean, th- this kind of gives us an understanding about where the person is in a very quick format. Well, obviously, we want to take the time with the person and grow the relationship with the individual. But I think, you know, sharing the gospel with someone is the very same thing. You know, you want to build that relationship with them. Um, you know, if, if you're simply being nice to someone just to simply share the gospel with them, then, then they're going to see through that. Then they're going to think, well, I'm just a number to this person. Um, so, but I, so I think it just really depends. You know, there may be situations where um, you meet someone and they're totally open to hear the gospel first thing, and you know you can you can share it first off. But I think in one-on-one evangelism, I think it's um, I think it's in my personal opinion, at least in, in in my experience, I think it's better to try to build a relationship with that person and then integrate. The gospel. So I don't think it's just like a, a checklist or like where where something where like a little bell goes off say share the gospel now. I think you can kind of integrate the message of the gospel in conversations and you know even say things like have a blessed day or or um, you know even kind of share you know how God has been blessed you in your life and uh, as you build that per, that relationship with the person and so they're going to see hopefully they're going to see a change in your life and then they're going to. Um, learn more, and so um, it, it's it's kind of unfortunately it's not an exact science, you know, it, it, you know, because I think every person is different, but I think that uh, generally sp- generally speaking, I think it's really good to kind of know someone and and just build that gospel understanding through the relationship that's built with that person. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, Nate Sala, uh, with, uh, well, what was formerly, um, uh, a clear lens ministry now is right, a disciple, disciple yeah. ministry and they have a, uh, format that they basically, they call it, um, uh, they, they call it, um, first date evangelism, essentially getting to know the person, getting to know their, uh, where they're standing with things, who they are, what they are, the things that they enjoy. Is there something that the, that um, that they enjoy doing that you might be able to turn it into a gospel conversation and be able to you know explain something to that? I mean, is it something where people like to go out in the wilderness and and go hiking and see? and see things and do things and you could say well you know god's glory is revealed out there and, that, and those are the kind of things that you can you can kind of feel out like like what you were saying it kind of depends um sometimes you only got a minute you know to, you know and and uh they're open and they're, they want to hear something sometimes they just come to you and just ask you know hey i see something different in your life what 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 is this difference? And that opens up that opportunity, and you just dive right in, you know. Sure. Uh, and I think that's I think that's important to kind of um, one be be ready to be moved by the Holy Spirit in um, how we have conversations with people, because some people 
Um, it, it is. It's just like throwing pearls before swine, meaning they're just going to trample what you say into the ground because they, they're, they're not li- ready to listen. Well, the, the tone, and, and here again, I think chaplaincy ministry has a lot to offer, even in evangelism. You know, one of the things we were taught is that, uh, you know, have a plan, but don't plan the meeting that you have. Don't plan the visit. Have a plan, but don't have a planned visit. You know, what that means is, and, and this isn't, I think what they're saying is is well and good, but you know, for instance, you know, you had um, evangelism explosion. That was a big thing when I first went through Bible college. Uh, you have all these different variations, and we learned these different steps, Romans Road, and different things like that. The only problem is is that we can become so by the book on those models that we don't allow the relationship and we don't allow the conversation to flow. Because it's important that we're listening to the person, so that we can really know the person, you know, build that relationship, that build that rapport with the person, as as we're pouring into their life, as we are investing in their life and sharing the gospel in their life. So, and what they mean by having a plan but don't have a planned visit is, you know. It's good to have those things in your mind, like even the ABCs of salvation and and like what you're talking about. But don't allow that to restrict your conversation with a person to the degree that that you are only asking questions or that you're only using this strategy. Allow the conversation to kind of grow and develop. Have these resources in the back of your mind so that you can answer questions and try to, you know, have a goal in mind of what you want to do. But but allow the allow the conversation, allow the relationship to grow and develop. And that and what you just mentioned about you know outdoors activities. Now, me, I, I'm not a hunter. You know, I, I've got a lot of family members who are, but for me, that's not my cup of tea. That's why someone who is in hunting, who who has that outdoorsmanship can reach other people whereas other people can't that's why we all have gifts why that's why we all need to be involved in evangelism because Curtis there are people you can reach that I can't reach and there are people our listeners can reach that neither one of us can reach so that's why God has given us spiritual gifts we all have different gifts one's not greater than the other we all need to use those gifts to invest in the lives of individuals that God places in our in our paths. Right. I heard one pastor one time say that those gifts that each one of us hold that are different than the others are almost like keys into another room that allows us to be able to access that room where nobody else could be able to access. And we have that we have the authority to enter that because we hold that key mm-hmm. for that. Which is our, you know, which is a blessing for them and a blessing for us. Absolutely. Um, in, in amongst it all. And you know, how, how boring and dull would the world look if everyone was exactly alike, if everyone had the same interests and if everyone right. wore the same kind of clothes and listened to the same kind of music? It would be a boring and dull world. God created us different people. Uh, he gave us free will, most certainly. He developed us into different individuals so he can use us to to reach out. I mean, we serve the same God, same Lord, same Savior, filled with the same Spirit, and, and really are, are called into the same body of Christ. We have different gifts. We're in different locations. We, we are planted in different areas. Uh, but God does this 
to allow us to invest in different people. We're, you know, we're, we're a team. We're, we're not competing against one another. If we've got to compete against anybody, it's Satan right. uh, in the powers right. of darkness. So we all have gifts. Let's just go out and use them. Yeah, right. It kind of leads into number four here, the question number four. Um, kind of we already covered it, but um, kind of just touch on a point here. Uh, number four, is sharing the gospel the same with every person? Absolutely not, and, and this is why I think it's important. Um, you know, in the world, in the realm of apologetics, we have just some nasty debates going on in social media, uh, com- competing ideologies about which apologetic methodology is best. And I really think these these hardcore debates are really we're really missing the mark. Because, I mean, I'm a classicist slash, slash uh, evidentialist. Um, I, I think that there's a, there's a there, you know, as a historian, as a historical theologian, you know, I'm drawn to evidentialism based around uh, the evidence for Scripture and the resurrection of Jesus. But I love the philosophical arguments for God. I, I love the classical method too. So you know what? It may be for, for a person who is more historically inclined that you use the evidential method. It may be someone for someone who's more philosophically inclined that you go classical. It may be for someone who is um, just ardently against anything you have to offer that you bring up the presuppositional methodology and, uh, you know, show that the presuppositions that all of us have. Um, I think there's room at the table for all these different perspectives and methods. Um, I think they are really useful for different people. Uh, different people in different stages in their lives. They're, they're, uh, they have different knowledge of Scripture. We can't assume that everyone knows what atonement means. We right. can't even assume that everyone knows what church means uh, or even right. gospel. Um, you know, we were challenged in one of the classes in seminary. I can't remember which class it was, but we were challenged to write our testimony without using any church language. And it was a lot more difficult than what I ever anticipated it would be. <laughs> yeah. See, and I, I guess coming from, I guess where I'm at, um, I come into it, I come into it, um, you know, just reading the scripture, and then my heart being drawn to that, and then just wanting to share that. But then finding people like Jay Warner Wallace and and Bill Craig and Greg Kokel and and you and, and various other people throughout my path has really kind of allowed me to, I guess, take and absorb all that. I might not be good at 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 one specific one, but I can kind of I can kind of fight my way through um, most of those kind of arguments, um, and sometimes they just flow together. I mean, I was just uh, just talking to a. Uh, a uh, uh, a friend of mine who is a uh, is a Jew. He grew up a Jew, and and uh, he he wants to know more about Jesus. He wants to know more about who is this Jesus that we have this personal relationship with that we talk about. That that we, so you, you what do you do with that? You can't you can't start talking all these philosophical things, and you can't talk about you know the historical stuff too much you gotta you gotta be able to blend it all together and be able to just speak truth into the into him you know well and we can't we can't automatically assume 
that that people are going to know the philosophical terms that we that we use. Um, a lot of people aren't going to know what epistemological mean, or if we talk about the cosmological argument. You know, I, I remember the first time that I told some family members that I was a Molinist. They said, a Molin who? What, what's the Molin doing in that thing? What is that? You know, and they looked at me like I had three heads. So some people aren't going to know the terms we're using. And so um, we have to just really kind of gauge and see where the person is. Uh, the, some people may already believe in God. But they just not, may not be settled on um, which which religion is true. Right. And you know, the more I thought about this, you know, we were talking about on. I don't know that we covered this. Do we, I can't remember if we covered it on the podcast or not. The whole thing about Kevin Max of DC Talk. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of it. it's kind of disheartening to me how we've pounced on him. And you shared a scripture. I can't remember what the scripture is, but it's talking about being gentle with those who doubt. And right. um, if if we are if we are entering evangelism as as if we are entering the public sphere of debate, we we're doing it really in a wrong mindset uh, because it's not about winning a debate; it's about leading a person to Christ and building a relationship yeah. with them. Yeah, let me see if I can pull this up real quick kind of maybe read that um, and so while you're doing that I'll just simply add to that that uh, you know what we need to be doing our response to Kevin Max should be that of prayer and uh, humility understanding that listen hey I, you know I, I left the faith for for seven for a few years um, became a theistic leaning agnostic so I know what it's like to doubt I know what it's like to go through crises of faith um, so we we can't give up on people who, who have doubts, moments of doubt. And even if they claim that there's such and such, uh, rather than throwing them under the bus and, and treating them like they're a um, you know leper, we, we really need to be praying for them and trying to, trying to steer them back to a biblical worldview. Yeah. It's, it must be way back in my stuff here. I, I'm not being able to... <laughs> For those who don't know, Curtis and I, we have a, a good friendship. We we text quite a bit through the week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, I just... It might be on Messenger, actually. I actually think it was on Messenger, come to think of it. Yeah. There it is. It's in Jude. Um, Jude 1, 22 through 23. And it says, um, And have mercy on those who doubt save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear hating hating even the garment stained by the flesh so by being gentle in in how we treat these you know maybe we win one back yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah. hey, hey I'm living proof that you may have doubts and you may stray but you're right. you can come back so, right. yeah, there's there. various other people that I know that that have uh, that have had doubts and 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 they had to work them out and and as they work them out, uh, the the general uh, absorption of them back into the church is what what really drew them back in. It's like they found they found people that really truly loved them. Mm-hmm. You know. So, number five, how can a person do street evangelism effectively? 
Going back to what you you said something before we get to number five, I I think that is key, what you just said. Um, Love. you got to love the person. Because if if you don't genuinely love the person, they're going to see through it. So well, it's like uh, like like uh, like what is it said? Um, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. So yeah, five. How can a person do street evangelism effectively? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll be honest and upfront. I've never really done much of any street evangelism. Um, I, I really I have a hard time with street evangelism I'm not saying that I'm opposed to street evangelism right. uh, but I have a difficult time because so many times street evangelism can can become more about a show and uh, or, or it can become really nasty. Um, yeah. So I I don't know that I, I really have anything to say about street evangelism uh, because, to be honest, I've never really done it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I have a hard time with it, too, because um, in in some ways, uh, boy, it can come across wrong quickly. And people, get, and people get heated so quickly anymore that... Um, that it's almost like they need to understand your heart in it and why you're out there street evangelizing. And if you're, you know, you're you're doing it without um, without some heart in it, mm-hmm. letting them know that you care about them, you care for their soul. I mean, Ray Comfort does a great job with that. When you oh, yeah. watch his videos, you you can tell that the people are are basically taken in by his love for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll straight up tell you, I don't know you from from Adam. I don't know you at all. But I love you, and I don't want to see your soul go to hell. You know? And I think it's important that we, I guess, follow something. If we're going to do street evangelism, follow something of that uh, kind of nature. Yeah. People need to know something about me. I'm a professional extrovert, but I'm really an introvert at heart. Um and what that means when you talk about introverts and extroverts, <laughs> introverts uh, are individuals who need their downtime. Who are, um, you know, some people call us loners. I don't know if that's necessarily fair, but individuals who need to have quiet time to unwind. Uh, extroverts are people who thrive in crowds, thrive in the public scene. I think you need to be a really a strong extrovert with a compassionate heart to do street evangelism, and I am not geared that way, to be honest. I would have probably a panic attack if I tried it. So with that being said, one thing I have seen that seems to work is um, one of the things I find compelling is uh, the, the whole concept of a person setting up a table and they'll they'll ask a question and then have a one on one conversation with that person on a college campus or something of that sort. Sure. Um, now, you now that to me, I think if if you're going to do some type of street evangelism, uh, for me, I think that would be more effective uh, in the long right. run because you're not really and in that you know you may draw a crowd to a degree, but you're really kind of having more of a conversation with an individual in that sense right. than necessarily stirring up a crowd. Again, I'm not against street evangelism. I just, I'm not geared that way. Yeah, me neither. 
I've seen guys do it with uh, just really good at playing music, and they just sit there and strum and play music, and they and they you know they're playing and they're strumming, and then they basically uh, you know speak out Bible scripture, you know, and they just and they talk to people like that while they're still playing, and it's almost like the the guitar um, takes the edge off from yeah it. So, yeah. Interesting. And so I say professional extrovert, means, which means I, I can be in a crowd if I need to be, but I don't like to be and don't prefer to be. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my wife. She loves to be in big crowds, and she loves to go out and do that. And I'm like, no thanks. I'm, well, see, my I'm wife is the same way. She, she is the same way. She loves, she thrives on, you know, having parties. She thrives on the, you know, being around a lot of people. Me, I'm kind of in the corner, and people ask us, why are you back in the corner? Why don't you come? I don't feel comfortable being in the middle of this. <laughs> yep. I get you. I'm right there with you. So, number six, how important is it for a person to be equipped with the word when he is sharing at what level, uh, or and at what level of biblical knowledge is required? That, that's a good question. I do think you need to be equipped with the word. And, you know, listen, I think that, do you have to be a biblical scholar to share the gospel? No. But I think you need to at least know the fundamentals of what it means to be saved. And you need to know the fundamentals of... Uh, I think it would be good to know the fundamentals of theology. Um, yeah. Again, that doesn't mean you have to be a professional theologian. But the more you know about the Word, the more the Word will come to you. Now, of course, the Spirit of God can give it to you. I understand that. But um, as in the classic King James Version says, study to show yourself approved. Uh, yeah. I, I think there is... A lot of scripture to tell, that tells us to meditate on the Lord, uh, meditate on His Word, and so uh, you don't have. To, in other words, to simply to simply answer that, you don't have to be a scholar, but you need to know at least enough to be able to adequately and accurately share the gospel message. Right, right. So, can a person share the gospel in just their actions? Yeah, but I do think it's important to back that up with uh, words. Um, I think at some point you need to, you know, um, so it just is a point that you said earlier. Someone could tell that there's a difference in your life from other people. Right. But at some point they need to know what that difference is. So that yeah, at some point. About what what is different about you? Yeah. So, for instance, there's there are some churches and some people who believe in doing good deeds. Well and good, that's great. Do all the good deeds you can, but that doesn't mean it's evangelism. It doesn't become evangelism. I mean, if if you're if you're just doing good deeds for good deeds' sake, well and good, you're doing charity work, but you're not doing evangelism. It doesn't become evangelism until the gospel is integrated in those good deeds. So there has to be at some point um, some verbal recognition of what it means to be saved. Right. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, just like when you were saying that, it's like, well, yeah, bank employees can gather together and go out and and uh, serve soup to to the people, you know, um, in a in a line. Um, but but to actually grab someone hand someone's hand and say, "Let me pray for you." I know, you know, and so I know, I know the Lord or whatever, and then that starts that conversation. That's 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 a whole different that's a whole different ball game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So number eight, 
What's the scariest hurdle to get past when sharing the gospel? I think this one is an easy question to answer. Rejection. You know, all of us like to be liked. Um, right. We want exactly. to feel like we fit in. Um, <laughs> the, the scriptures tell us that we're a peculiar people. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. We're, we're weird. That's what the scripture says. We are. And, and even a strange people known as introverts, we still need some social interaction. We just don't need as much and as voluminous as extroverts do. I mean, so for instance, we do better in one-on-one situations and small groups than necessarily a big, massive crusade. Uh, Billy Graham did well with crusades. Uh, now, was he introverted or extroverted? I don't know. He may have been introverted, for all I know. But, but nonetheless... Uh, there are people who go out and can work a crowd and do very well at that, but there are those of us who aren't geared that way. The, the, the point of it is, I'm getting off topic, it's getting late. <laughs> the point of it is is that um, we all want to be liked, we all want to be included, so the moment we share the gospel, that person can turn on us, we may be... You know, that person's going to reject us, and then maybe that person's going to get angry with us. And maybe we're afraid we're going to hurt that person's feelings or something of that sort. Right. And so the fear of rejection, I think, is the biggest problem we have. And even in churches, I've seen in churches some church members who say, well, that's going to ruin our reputation if people, they're going to think we're Bible thumpers if we go out and, you know, and do this, uh, well, you know, inviting people to church and, and telling people about the gospel and, you know, let's just go do good deeds. Well, good deeds are great. Nothing against that. I'm all for good deeds. But there again, you've got to have the message included in what you're doing. Right. But yeah, the fear of rejection yeah, is a big thing, yeah. And, you know, I mean, if you're, you go out from the church doors and, and you're all, you know, you, you go out from there, that's where real life hits you in the face. And, and to, um, you, you just never know. You don't know where, it's like uh, Jay Warner Wallace says, you know, you don't know where that person is uh, on the baseball, on the baseball uh, uh, running path. You don't know if somebody's already knocked them into second base or into third base, and, and maybe they're just waiting to just hear one more thing from somebody else, you don't know what part you're taking in in sharing the gospel of what they may already know or where they already are. And you just don't know. So just speak yeah. and, and, and get that out there. And and understand this. I think this is very this is revolutionary when I came to realize this. You are not responsible for how the person reacts. You're just responsible yeah. for getting the information out there. Now, if you act like a jerk, then you're responsible for being a jerk. But sure. you're not responsible for their reactions as long as you do it in a kind and loving fashion. You're not responsible yeah. for how that person reacts. You're just responsible for getting the information out there. Right. Number nine, why do we feel just as blessed when we share the gospel with others? Well, because we know that um, we're doing the Lord's work, we're fulfilling what He's called us to do, and when a person comes to know the Lord as Savior, there's not a—I mean—that's among the best feelings in the world. To know that God used you yeah, buddy. to to reach a soul to come to faith. That, that that person's going to be in heaven because of the Lord's work through you, and that's a powerful yeah. feeling. And uh, that we have to understand, we didn't lead the person to salvation. 
Christ, the Spirit of God, led the person to salvation through our obedience. But but it's an amazing feeling, and I, I think it um, yeah, it's one of the blessings of God. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is, and just being obedient in uh, what he's told us and what, how, how he's lied, basically laid it out for us to deal with, and mm-hmm. man, there's just there's just some really good blessings that come along with it, um, that we get to see the joy on their face, we get to see, you know, people in their family, you know, <laughs> question what, what's this all about, and, and all of a sudden you see it just starting to spread, it's just, it's really neat to see. Mm-hmm. So my last statement here, um, Brian, before we shut down here, is number 10. It's not really a question, but it's a statement. And my statement is for us as believers to get prayed up and just take the first step in sharing God with the people around us. Amen. Yeah, and I think think as we take those first steps— as we get prayed up, we, we, are, we are already connecting with the Spirit. We already have asked God to, to you know, give us opportunities to, to see people um, that, that need to hear the gospel or put us in situations that, we, that, that um, will be favor, favorable for uh, sharing the gospel. And then just take the first step and just do it. God blesses those steps. As we take it, <laughs> we may be stumbling, bumbling, whatever, but that may not be what that person on the other end is hearing. It may just be the very word, the word of God that actually has been working on their heart for them to hear what we need, what we're trying to say. Absolutely. You know, Dr. Randy Kilby, he was at Fruitland Baptist Bible College, and he used to say that you need to get into the spout where the glory comes out. Oh, well, yeah. And, yeah. and and the point is, is so you get into the spout of the Lord. The Lord fills up your cup, and your cup starts overflowing, and you start filling up the cups of other people. Um, but we've got to get charged up. We've got to get filled up. We've got to get excited about the Lord. And um, you know, and understand this: you don't have to give a full gospel presentation to share the gospel. And you know, maybe it's just sharing something the Lord's done in your life. Just plants that seed, or as uh, Greg Kokel says, you know, puts a stone in their shoes. Uh, just get right. them thinking about something. So you don't have to think that you have to give a full-out gospel presentation. Just by simply sharing something the Lord's done for you, and and maybe hinting hinting around the salvation. By the way, let me just say this: never underestimate the power of praying for someone. Right. Prayer not only praying for them for their salvation of souls, but if you ask a person to pray, you know, can I pray for you? Right. Most people will say, yeah. In that prayer, you have their attention. In that prayer, you can suddenly add contents about how to be saved in that prayer. You know, so you have a captive person at that moment in time. Um, yeah. You can kind of give them, you know, give them lay out some clues in that prayer, and um, you know. Just talk about the forgiveness of the Lord. It doesn't have to be, again, don't give them a 30, 45 minute prayer uh, because that'll be the first and last time. That'll be the first and last time they accept your prayer for them. But uh, it's very possible to give a very simple gospel presentation in, in a one to two minute prayer. Two minutes at most. I wouldn't go over two minutes if you prayed for someone, but but a one, I think you can do it in a one minute prayer. Just simply laying out the, the essentials of salvation in that prayer, and generally, you know, indicating that you want, you know, praying that God will move in their life and and bless them. Right. Well, 
It's been a good one. We here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast, and until next time, Brian and I say, so good on, friends. friends. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com the opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates the Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under creative commons copyright all rights reserved the opening theme is the song crucified written by John and Michaela Limanis performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Do you have a question about the Bible, theology, or apologetics that you've always wanted to ask but never felt comfortable asking? If so, we want to encourage you to head over to bellatorchristie.com and submit your question on the Submit a Question link. Your question will be reviewed and may be featured on a future article or podcast. Remember, the only dumb question is the one unasked. So go over to bellatorchristie.com now and submit your question.